This is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. So this is an indoor edition. I'm just starting up a little cup of tea. And actually I think I'm going to get out the nice teacup. My, my grandmother's... all the way from England. I, th I think there was a trip, there was a vacation, and, and uh, the grandmother bought, brought it back. Topic. I propose a journey to the city of the moon. <clears throat> and I... I had talked about the city before. It's just opening the the packets for the tea. Yeah, so I I I talked about the the city on the moon, this capital city um, city state uh, that it has borrowed the name Luandon. Um, from Brewer's Dictionary of uh, Phrases and Fables, with, with this sort of mythical history to it that, uh, that the city of London in England uh, was named after, or that has this meaning that is uh, Gaelic, which is the language before English, uh, and Luan, from Luan Don, that Luan in Gaelic is uh, the moon. And so if you go through the various types of Gaelic, like Scottish Gaelic and Welsh and Irish Gaelic, you'll, you'll see uh, different forms of Luan, different ways of spelling it. So, uh, this particular trip, we are going to uh, be taking one of the silver chrome spaceships, rocket ships, and I've arranged for one to uh, land in the backyard. Uh, if you just look out the window, you can see the, you know, the smoke. You, know, you thought that was fog. It's actually a rocket ship out there. So just grab our cup of tea. I'll, I'll pour one for you as well, <laughs> so we can have we can have tea on the rocket ship. Right, it's, it's one for me and one for you. I don't know about you, but I always thought tea, for some reason I thought, say, I had this British association with tea, and I always thought that, you know, the tea of England was, you know, say, traditional, and it had, it had always been there, which is not the case. It's from Asia, right? It's, it's a, and, and two, it came about because of um, trade and, uh, colonization and 
this the 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 notion of empire say that to adopt these um, element elements food drinks from from around uh, the empire when it existed. Moss, I thought you said the empire still exists. I there's yeah there's the order of the British Empire that still exists, and there are these connections such as the Commonwealth that connects Canada and and various other colonies of the empire to the UK. All right, so here we are, getting aboard the rocket ship. We are greeted by our captain, a female werewolf from uh, from the moon, from the city, who's, who's going to be taking us there. Uh, inside, it's very, very spiffy, very... Uh, cleaned up inside the rocket ship and uh, just make sure to uh, have a seat but make sure to fasten your seat belts and get ready for a liftoff and you can feel the, um, the chair is shaking and we are lifting off and once again heading through the pink clouds and on our way uh, back to Terrapin so, one of the things about the moon is that uh, that it's that the wolf people, these we are wolves, uh, they believe they are wolves, therefore we are, <laughs> and uh, the they believe that they are on um, the moon. There's a bit of waffling, especially when you get out close to the borders. There's this, um, there's the sort of disagreement that, say, scholars and scientists, um, you know, as they get closer to the borders of of the moon, they 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 start to have sort of different disagreements. Um, they become more flexible uh, near the borders, and and are are open and willing to uh, discuss the possibility that you know m- maybe the the moon you know is um f- there's a flexibility to it to the place um, but when you get into the uh, capital city uh, of Luandun it is 100% sure you know there's a great certainty and and if you disagree this is uh, sort of a cultural affront, and so you don't want to be on the other opposite. You don't want to be on the opposite side of that um, argument, uh, unless you're a wolf. But even then, you know, there's this there's this disagreement. In my mind, I see them as as red wolves, and there's a number of reasons for this. Is is because um, in planning and writing, that there's an association with. Uh, Red Riding Hood and wolves, and the association with the wolves and and the moon, uh, that that's where say the wolves are coming from, and notions of um, 
you know, that the full, in, during the full moon, people change or say that, you know, um, through stories about werewolves that, you know, there's this uncontrollable change. Or I, I would say, say more recently that there's this notion of that it is embraced and it is sort of less a, less a curse. I'm just thinking of the, you know, the old black and white movies where it is a curse and I can remember over the years reading things um, where, say, you know, people pursued being a werewolf. That I remember this book. It's weird that these books exist, but these books exist. It was in the library. I, I think it might have even been in the kids' section. It was sort of a collection of uh, monsters, and, but more looking at the historical roots and you know, okay, well, here's a woodcut of a werewolf, right? And it's uh, the werewolf is stealing babies, right? Babies to to kill and eat. This is terrifying, terrible stuff. And and disturbing, um, but also, but also in the sense of uh, that we're looking at sort of say, um, historical prejudices. So that's sort of one thought I have, is, is that, you know, it, is, is this a slight against a group, right? Um, say that a, a certain group of people are um, apt or prone um, to, to become werewolves. <clears throat> my own connection is that um, my last name means wolf, and the... It, if you if you looked, I, I've looked into this, and there's um, some heraldry, and the wolf is red. Uh, not only that, but the city within Vancouver, it's one of these smaller cities that make up Vancouver, uh, it, that uh, the city of Newest Minster, the First Nations people uh, there, a tribe, a family called the Kakite, and the Kakite their totem their their an, the animal that represents them is a red wolf it's wolf and um there was a early anthropologist named frank uh franz boaz who was in new westminster and had uh, recorded this conversation about the red wolves right uh of of this of this place so there are uh, personal associations, there are important associations, say for me, uh, growing up, and, and to the strange uh, difference between, it, it, what is it, sameness but different, that say my, part of my family, you know, were the, were, are these red wolves, that there's this association that is totemic. And then there's also, say, these people that, I'm not connected to, but I was born uh, where their traditional lands are, right? And so there's this sort of overlapping for me of, of association um, that is important, right? That, you know, say for me, I, that I want to present this and pursue this. And um, of course, for the outsider, it's sort of, oh, well, that's interesting. Red wolves on the moon. It has expanded, uh, as I write, 
I consider the wolf, these wolf people, these we are wolves, and see them sort of branching out um, in, in the same sense that, say, I, that I have a cat character named Bavard, and Bavard is a black cat, and there's many cats, and I want to work in this cat called um, Whiskers, Mr. Whiskers, and, and uh, other cats um, along the way. Oh, this is to say that you know there there are no yellow cats, right? Because that's sort of where I started with the whole cat thing. Just in the same way that you know, yeah, you could encounter a a reddish, uh, you know, sort of like an auburn or a redhead werewolf, but that there's are other other were people as well, these wolf people. <clears throat> One of the recent uh, beautiful moments with uh, editing was considering, and and I will, I will um, direct your attention if you would look upwards, uh, like say <laughs> upwards. Anyways, through the porthole in the rocket ship that we're now in, if you look out, you know you can see the Earth. Right, and then in place of where the moon should be, the Earth is. And as our our rocket ship descends uh, over the uh, city of Luandan, you know that that is a marvel. The other the other thing is is that it's surrounded by stars, uh, and so it's a it's a it's a flip, right? It's a it's a different way of seeing. And um, I'll also. Uh, direct your attention to that the sun is there, right? The sun is illuminating both the earth and the moon. And so, you know, we're seeing the sun during the daytime and without the blue sky. One of the influences of the blue sky um, on my interpretation of the moon is that, so let's see, the... Um, during the day, I've just yesterday I saw the moon in the sky, and the moon—it um, was like the blue sky was part of uh, the moon. That say craters seem to be filled with blue sky, um, I- instead of say this sort of darkness. And you know, it, it wasn't just the moon. And from that, I I took this notion of that. Um, on the Terrapin moon, the craters are lakes that they are filled with sky blue water, and if you ever find yourself near a glacier, that was kind of my association because the the water that comes off of a glacier, especially when it collects, I think we have a lake here called Lake Louise, that's not too far, or at least it's uh, somewhere in in uh, British Columbia, the province that I'm in. And um, so yeah, so that's that's something that's uh, influencing. And I remember that that goes back to say doing poetry that I was doing this avant-garde poetry, and I was working with um, you know take, taking apart common um, images, and I, and I was playing with the image of the moon and, and thinking and noticing that the moon. During the day, the moon is blue, 
which is, yeah, which is something to think about. Well, let's get out of the rocket ship. Let's descend and, and leave this chrome vehicle. And the the first thing to notice, um, the big difference, say, between the the first city that I've introduced, which is Perlocks, is that Perlocks is very much um, like, let's say there are buildings in Vancouver that are like Perlocks. Um, there's a lot of stone, uh, stonework in, in Perlocks. Statues, bas-relief, um, and, um, and, and European. But in Luandan, there's this notion of it being a, a space station. So um, there are igloo-like domes, there are um, these covered uh, connections, almost like hallways that, that have been covered over. Uh, there are pressure what do you call that? You know, when you sort of, you have to sort of <laughs> sign in to get, to get into, and then you, you pass through a sort of pressurized, um, situation. It's, it's so interesting. I know, I know what it is. It's sort of this science fiction situation where, you know, there's this threat of being ejected into outer space. So, so there's a similar kind of thing. Uh, another thing to to point out is that uh, a lot of people uh, are using these bubbles over their heads. But because it's terrapin and because of the notion of this um, make-believe or made-belief that is going on, that it, it is not a life-and-death situation and... It's it's more of an aesthetic. I'm just thinking about this. Going, this sounds really strange, <laughs> but if if you can imagine that it's kind of a f like in a fantasy sense. No, sorry, fashion. There we go. Fantasy fashion. There is a lot of fantasy to fashion. Actually, you know, you, you sort of say, you know, you you buy the the latest thing, kind of the emperor's new clothes. You buy this um, ensemble, and that it has this influence on your mind that's sort of like, ah, I have the latest fashion, you know, and, and sort of feeling, I'm, you know, I am the latest, I'm on the cutting edge. And that, say, others would look at you and perhaps associate and say, um, even with things like, say, you know, you just have sensible shoes and then people look at your shoes and go, you know, oh, you know, this must be a sensible person. While you're sitting there thinking, I am a sensible person that uh, what you wear can influence how you think. And this is a theme in even just going back one, you know, to, back to Perlocks, back to book one, uh, there is this, there is this desire for a yellow dress in book one, and that, that feels like it's just one of my preoccupations. And, uh, and two, weird, because I'm more interested in understanding what it is that fashion is and what it does and how we use it. Even part of it is just mating ritual, right? You know, dressing up to attract 
you know, and, and to say, you know, hey, I am this type of person, um, alongside with body language and, and, and everything else, status symbols, hey, look, I have the latest phone, right? I have the latest, uh, you know, operating system. Right. So, uh, yeah, so let's, let's walk around this city a bit. One thing you might notice, especially outside, uh, occasionally you'll see it in the city, is that instead of lawns and, and grasses, grass, lawn, green grass, you'll notice that there's something similar that is more fungal, especially when you look at it close up. And this is the cheese on the moon, right? The moon is made out of green cheese. Um, that's another thing that I've got from Brewer's Dictionary of fa fa what is it? Phrases and Fables. And uh, I'm, I'm playing around with it, uh, but I'm also... <laughs> no, I'm playing around with it. Uh, and... But, but say, flipping something around, that say we have these notions of something, and again, changing it, and looking at it in a different way. You know, what if uh, green grass was cheese? What if it was green cheese? Uh, do people eat this? Yes, yes they do. Uh, and so there's also a question of, say, you know, eating it and walking on it. And you know, so the argument is, you know, don't walk on the grass because people are going to eat it. Um, or is it just aesthetic? Like, it's there to look at, you know, therefore you can walk on it and, you know, th that there are actually places that are making cheese. Uh, I, cheese is a slight preoccupation of mine. I'm interested in different types, and I found out that there are French cheeses. There, there are cheeses that are ripened underground. They're in caves or tunnels, and that interests me. You know, I want to try that kind of cheese, and I have... Uh, and it sort of stuck in my mind. Um, and one of the things was, that one of the cheeses was gray. And I believe that it, they had put some sort of, maybe say, ashes on the outside of it. And actually called it moon cheese. And so that's something else that is going on <laughs> behind the scenes in, in this consideration. But let's get into these, these werewolves. So the werewolf spelling... It's, okay, it's it's W-E, and then an umlaut over the A, I'm pretty sure, and then an R, and then wolf or wolves. Okay, so the, the, the reason of, for doing this, um, one thing I picked up from Tolkien was he would use an umlaut to let us know that we are to pronounce a letter. That's my understanding of how he was using an umlaut. So that's me, you know, um, imitating the master. Then there's playing around with with the word. Um, uh, instead of werewolf, that they are wearing uh, being a wolf. And, and like it's clothing, like it's a, a wolf skin or a fashion. Um, so we start with where, and it becomes we are. 
So, so that that's my mind at work, but it's also leaving leaving footprints for myself, leaving a trail, uh, leaving reminders for myself. Every time I see that spelling, I remember the process it took to get there. And and, th- and then it leads off on forays. Um, and it's a, it's a reference point for me. So it's not, just, it's not just say something that I've made up and that's it. You know, instead, it, it's, it's, it's valuable for the, for the storytelling. It's valuable. And two, it's just fun. It's so it's so great to see every time, and I, and I sort of you know he he he, uh, you know look what I'm up to. Plus two, I imagine the purveyors, uh, just say you know people who are so serious and so uptight, and there's that word pedantic, or, or just that you know they they do not like. Uh, this kind of stuff, right? You know, invention, creativity, fun, and and that they you know poo poo this, and instead that what they what they want is you know really realistic, and that their concern is that and and there is an argument there, verisimilitude. There's that word, um, and and it means you know, seeming to be true, you know, close to truth, close to being true. And that that's their concern and that they want to um, immerse uh, the reader in that, in, in the real, right? So real, realistic fiction. Yes, but you know, is there a way for me to do that, to have it, it's serious, that say, these people take it, you know, very seriously, my characters, <laughs> these wolf people, they believe it, right, they believe it, and, um, you know, yes, there's tongue-in-cheek, but I think there's a commentary there that about us, and how we live, and how, like, say, I don't know about you, but I get so caught up and stressed out in this ridiculous stuff. And it's just endless, you know, um, endless doom and gloom, darkness, that there's no room for laughter and heart. So, so that's all wrapped up in this. This is, <laughs> this is like an expression of... of um, it's weird because sort of like out of the, out of the displeasure for the real, you know, here comes something that is, uh, in a way it's mocking it and mocking, you know, the people who are so tied up in their beliefs that they will do horrible things. Extremists, really, you know, that, that, that is, this is a response to that. Um, and two, I'm critiquing these we are wolves who are just so wrapped up in themselves that uh yeah, you know, they're they're willing to be horrible, think horrible, do horrible, and um and, and really not have a satisfying existence. Woo! So much packed into one word. But really, uh yeah, for me, that you know, that's that's you know, every time I approach 
uh, this and these characters. You know, that's what's going on. So one of the themes, one of the um, ah, there's a c word that I'm just not. It's a good c word. It's not a bad c word. It's a. Uh, but I am uh, conceits. That's it. One of the conceits of the fantasy world, the story, um, is that each of the cities resembles the other, and deep down it really is, it's all the same city, it's Vancouver, but it's just seen in different ways, perceived in different ways. Uh, it, it, you know, these, these are the various enclaves and um, groups that dwell within the city, right, you know, well, this is our way of doing things. It's the right way, you know. And your way, you know, you 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 don't know what you're talking about, you know. You your lifestyle, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, right? You're the bad people. We're the good people. Uh, the so the werewolves have an ability; they are able to shape shift, uh, and yet the longer you stay in the city, the more wolf-like you become. And the, the people that claim um, a priority, authority, uh, you know, and say, you know, that, oh, so, oh, we are the, you know, we are the true people of this place, you know, of Luandon, are, are the ones that uh, have, have stayed, right? The, you know, they have not traveled. Um, they are, there's this sense of purity to them. And... And of, and of course, it's very important to them. And we're, we experience that more at the core of the city. Um, even though there's this flux that um, I'm sort of like, you know, is that true? Is it, you know, in the core? The, the way the city is arranged, so this makes it a bit difficult to say where the core is, but the, the city is, um, it ringed around a crater lake. So there's this huge blue, sky blue lake, and uh, it has a, a sculpture, and, and that's one of the common traits of the cities of Terrapin, is that there's a sculpture uh, at the city, near the city, uh, sorry, at the center of the city. Uh, in Perlox, it's these this giant, um, these four statues of horses, giant statues, and nobody knows you know, where they came from, nobody knows their names, um, uh, because of our colonization and just time, and, you know, people have forgotten, uh, you know, and yet it's valued, it's treasured, uh, it's sort of looked up to, I'm sort of thinking of it the same way that, say, that how the Italians valued the Greeks, or I should say the Romans valued the Greeks, and 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 imitated, right? And sort of say, oh well, you know, we really like this, what they've done, um, what they did, and now we're going to build on and we're going to expand. Like every other city, like Perlocks, there is an old city, and then there is a new city, and and the old city is these leftover uh, ruins, these remains that are peppered with these symbols called the knots or knots, and 
which have a hieroglyphic uh, kind of association, and nobody knows what they mean. Um, and yet, they are uh, revered and, and referenced, and people attempt to solve them. Um, so there's this great sense of age in the old city uh, versus the new city that is able to, let's say, that takes the designs and architecture, uh, statues, the style of the old, and then does it again, um, but adding on to it, right? So say, um, okay, we're going to do it in our own style. And so you'll see, say, statues that look similar, but, but are different. The art... Uh, there's a preoccupation, say statues are, of course, you know, it's all about wolves and wolf people and people changing into wolves. And, uh, yeah. So let's, let's go uh, walk around the old city for just a bit. And you can see the, the, the remnants and ruins of, of domes and there's, a, there's less of a concern for the technology and the fashion uh, in, the, in the older uh, ruins. And, and yet, say they, you know, they're, they've been fixed up with, um, oh man, what is it called? You know, the pressure door where you go into sort of a, like a little room and the air pressure is, is changed. Um, so, say, new has been incorporated, but there's this, especially for, say, the tourists, you know, they've kept a lot, and you're not supposed to change um, that. It's e that even happens in newest, no, not Newestminster, Vancouver. So, Vancouver City proper, downtown Vancouver, there are, and all over, there are heritage buildings and heritage houses that the city, the province, has deemed um, are of value and worth and still retain um, things that are worth, uh, say, uh, protecting and taking care of. So this is the same into in any of the Terrapin cities, these city-states, that the old city uh, has uh, sort of buildings with heritage status, status. Most of them do. And... So that's that's something interesting to see, and yet, you know, my criticism of Vancouver is is that you know it's always you know a hundred, hundred years, hundred twenty five years that you know that's heritage status, you know traditions. Um, so there's probably an argument going on in the background somewhere. And uh, why? Uh, because of my concern with the, the end of the First Nations culture uh, here in, in Vancouver. Um, by the language, because the language is going extinct. And there are attempts to, there, you know, I think it has been archived or it's being archived. I've talked with a linguist um, about that. But that's art, you know. That's archival. That's not fluent speakers. And to my knowledge, there's you know, there's a few 
you know, if none, which is, which is a tragedy. I, for me, for me, because if that's the case, then, you know, my own language is, uh, you know, what, what value, what value does a language have, right? So, yeah, I've talked about this in other episodes, and, um, in what I'm writing, I've, I figured out a way to represent language, and that is, um, through subtitles and and again it's one of it's one of the ridiculous uh, things about terrapin wonderfully ridiculous is that you can understand and th- this whole process is called babble b a b b l e right so this ability to understand any language in terrapin and that has several references. I'm referencing Douglas Adams' uh, Babblefish. I'm interested, uh, and I'm also uh, referencing, you know, the actual Judeo-Christian uh, belief. You know that there was a, you know, there is. It depends on which side you stand on, right? You know, there is a myth, right? There is a story. There is a belief uh, that there was this tower that was built, and it was all part of this, you know, plan that, uh, you know, humans would um, be as, would attempt to be as omnipotent as uh, the the deity, right, the deity of, of their choice, or rather, or rather not, that they had, you know, that they had abandoned that. Let's, let's just put, push that aside for a second. So yeah, so so several references. You you could even look at the Universal Translator from Star Trek because uh, you know I grew up with that. Um, and two, for me, it's an opportunity to reference you know say the the languages where I live, and the the big ones are uh, English, and then Chinese, and then Halkomelum which is the First Nations language, um, Pacific Northwest Coast, Salish. And it's a way for me to, it's a way for me to connect. And let's just push that aside slightly. The, the subtitles now that you say encounter, you'll encounter the, these, the wolf people have a language. I've mentioned language uses a number of times and talking with other writers and just my own sort of sense of how to do this world building thing that I have, I have this language that I have concocted. However, it is, it is, uh, in a way it is unusable, uh, unusable because it gets in the way of the story, but I want the, I want the presence of it, the notion of it, and f- further ridiculous is is that so there's this one language that 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 I have invented, which is not um, linguistically correct, but um, the the way that I've sort of spread it around is that um, I've used just a really simple code uh, 
to mix up the letters of the language. So as, as you move from one city-state to the next capital city uh, place, so you, you, know, you go to the moon and they speak the language in one mixed-up way, and then you go to another city and they speak it a different mixed-up way, right? But it's the same language. So that's me playing, and um, uh, like I said, it, it just gets in the way of the story, but say, just you know, behind the scenes, that's what I'm doing, and that's where my mind is at as far as thinking about you know, the moon language. All right, so we're, we're getting into the wrapping up stage of the equation. I'm still exploring, and uh, yeah, exploring, uh, editing, thinking about this stuff. Um, one of the elements of each of each place is this question of energy and power and also to like say looking at our own sources of energy you know it's it's a it's a bit of a dialogue about that uh, the things we do the consequences and you know say what is it, cutting corners, what's the other word for it, where you, convenience, right, you do something out of convenience. I'm just thinking of uh, Vancouver, that we used to have uh, electric, what, what were they called, streetcars, you know, it was, it was called the interurban, and uh, uh, it would be interesting to find out exactly how long we had those for Let's see. I would I would like to say forty years. It was probably like the eighteen eighties up until the nineteen twenties, and it was it was phased out because there wasn't enough room on the roads. That was the argument at the time, and that uh, these streetcars were getting in the way of you know the automobile. And all of a sudden, everybody had an automobile or wanted an automobile, and the interurban was was pushed aside uh however buses uh were set up and still you know the electric buses that used the overhead um cables for lack of a better word where there was the electricity piping through and e they still exist they're still being used which is which is fascinating and great so in a in a way they didn't disappear they sort of evolved and adapted also, our train system up here, our public train, is uh, electric. And, and, and so there's a presence and a thought. Uh, the local transit was uh, hyping uh, this exploration into using hydrogen. And, and so some of our buses were sort of exploring this and using um, this technology from a company here called Ballard. And so Ballard was making hydrogen fuel cells. And um, just moving away from that, let's say I'm looking at each place as a potential um, for commentary and, and to be talking about uh, 
talking about different types and you know and also you know can i get into say you know a place of kinetic energy you know is that is that possible a city where it's it's all kinetic maybe kind of a clockwork wind up city and then and then the extreme that there's somewhere in all of this that there is uh, a city that is using nuclear uh, something that would really echo and, and that you sort of go, whoa, that's nuclear power. And to be discussing that, the, you know, say, um, you know, that's great humanity, but, you know, don't burn your fingers, right? Don't, uh, you know, why not learn from your mistakes and sort of, yeah, stay away. And, you know, of course, Fukushima and Chernobyl and, and um, what's next, right? You know, nobody can say anymore that it's safe. Uh, and yet, right, I was like, well, you know, bottom line, um, nuclear weapons, and uh, one of the arguments is that, you know, we, we, we need the technology for um, medical x-rays, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and two, I'm 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 wanting the conversation, and yeah, where where will where will that take me? Where will that take us? I I I go on and on about uh, like right now. I sort of I've discovered uh, for myself carbon CO two scrubbers, carbon dioxide scrubbers that you know sort of filtering the air, cleaning the air. Apparently, time is giving me more time. So, as 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 we move away uh, from, let, let's let's drift over and take a look at the shore, the actual edge of the moon, where uh, there is yeah a coastline. There is a beach, and it, it's it's not say like uh, our moon. You know where, you know, say there, you know, there is no liquid, there is no uh, consideration of an ocean, but um, Terrapin's Lake Sea does reach, and there's this dark water, this uh, dark sea, uh, and you can look off and you can see the star islands of of the Lake Sea, and there there are ships there that you know will arrive and and take things away. Um, including including the rocket ships right so that is one option and that is you know a way to get around i'm i'm pretty sure about that cuz i'm just so enamored with you know 1950s chrome rocket ships you know those old sci-fi movies um you know it's sort of lending uh, or um reaching uh referencing sort of say where we have been with that and and where we are going the ships themselves are run and this is connected to power and energy and as well the city's power and energies it is coming from these fungal uh crystalline trees that the forest called the underwood the part of the underwood in, on the moon um farther up the valley that that is that provides um, energy, and that these these crystals are uh, 
capturing, creating. Um, it's like they're you know batteries, and so they are harvested, and and brought down. Um, and just saying that word reminds me of uh, the forestry industry um, in Canada. I'm sure it's all over uh, the world that they've shifted. They they don't call it logging anymore. They call it harvesting, and moving away from you know sensitive it's interesting right the you know changing the terminology to make it less um l less sort of of a concern right you know it's harvesting it's not logging right you know yeah but you're cutting down trees you know no we're harvesting trees right you know we're harvesting we're farmers right that's what we're doing we're farming very big vegetables um, you know, our, it's a crop, right? Um, uh, actually, one of my childhood friends, uh, Corby Cuff, uh, when he, yeah, one of his jobs was uh, a tree planter. And, uh, you know, he would go off and sort of in the wake of this quote-unquote harvesting and, you know, plant uh, young trees, and I remember him, you know, t hearing about it, right? That it was this, you know, brutal, and you know that you had to be, you know, it was go go go, um, amazing workout, but also burnout. And um, I'm very proud of him for for that. Uh, my own concern with that, and he's, well, no, time says, you know, go keep going, Moss. One of my own concerns, uh, I, I got quite um, concerned this was 25 years ago. I was making um, paper by hand, and it was, uh, I was exploring tree-free paper, and I was binding uh, tree-free paper, also non-wood paper was another way to describe it. And that was an education in learning that there are options and there are no excuses. Um, but that we do just naturally cut corners and we're looking for convenience. We're looking for the cheap, right? You know, and how cheap can we get? And apparently really cheap. Um, but also arguments. Like I encountered fantastic arguments about, um, you know, say, the cost of uh, harvesting trees versus the cost of harvesting uh, non-wood slash tree-free crops, right, that it actually costs less and is cheaper to do it agriculturally rather than forestry, right? So the argument there, it, it just falls apart, you know, financially. And it, that it, it's, actually, it's actually about something else, right? Something different is going on. Part of it has to do with refuse, that, you know, the, the things that are left over um, from, from forestry. And, and now I'm going to sort of swerve away from that. <clears throat> um, so that's going on behind the scenes. You know, there's another commentary at work when I'm talking about the harvesting of uh, this energy source. It, it makes it relevant for me. It makes it approachable. Uh, you know, rather than, say, going off and, you know, talking about something that is not um, relevant and connected. And, um, 
and to sort of say in contrast with that say you could read something that was escapist but like say I'm thinking you know somebody picks this up you know and in one way they're looking for escape but I, I argue too they're looking for a way to cope they're looking for a way to um, manage and uh, also you know say you know perhaps there are some answers there and you know that it that it's not this sort of like you know painfully being hit with this mallet repeatedly you know you know you're wrong you're you got to do it a different way this way you know and and without this sort of you know you know we're totally plugged in you know here's our corporate masters the the oligarchy and you know this is how they make their their coin and uh you know this is you know we exist in their their fiefdom fiefdom so it's it's not it's not just a matter of of swang and then this other voice in me is like going oh yes it is right you know all all we need is everybody on board you know and and then the then the uh, our oligarchs will switch right they'll say okay <laughs> you know that's that's where the money is. Everybody's investing in this, you know, in the other product. Um, bottom line. But uh, ending ending our journey here on the moon. And one thought I I, I one thought earlier was that say, um, in the state of one one o'clock, uh, and then in the city. The, of Perlocks, they believe that um, the world is on the back of a terrapin, and so much so that you know that when you're there, you're able to see these huge legs, right? So in the north, you'll see these sort of shadowy legs that descend from the sky; these giant towers. Um, vast, right, it's, it's, you know, Everest-like, you know, they're rising up into the sky, and, and yet, just a few states over, you're on the moon, and you're not seeing this, um, uh, but, uh, but there is this exchange of information, and, and there's a knowledge, right, that there are other people who believe other things, uh, so, so the the notion of this, you know, what is it? It's a terrapin that's standing on its own back, right? So philosophers will talk about that and so go, well, that's impossible, right? How can, you know, uh, you know, how can a terrapin be that huge? That's unnatural. <laughs> how can it be standing on its own back? That's unnatural, right? You know, to be standing on its own back, it would be all stretched around, and, um. It's it's very much uh, say there's a science to this and and this discussion ab- about about you know beliefs and, and which belief is the right belief which way of seeing things is the right way of seeing things and yet just like in Perlocks the people of you know uh, was it the, the people of the moon uh, they you know they they disbelieve and argue against it and, and put it down. 
uh, even though they've been allies, right? They've been, um, they're on the, I think it's the, yeah, the, the tail end, right? Which is the, the dark side of Terrapin. Um, they're not on the, the, not in the headlands, which is the sunlit side of Terrapin. And so, so wolf people will disagree, you know, um, but, but not to the extent of, of, you know, violence. Although say you would, you know, you might have a fist fight if people are intoxicated or just can't stand each other personally, but on, on a, on a more sort of natural, natural, national, on a national level, right? They're, they're not going to, um, get up in arms or at least, at least today. Right. So, uh, slowly bidding uh, good night to to the moon, to the moon of Terrapin, um, and 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 heading off. I, I I'm just I'm just wanting to sort of capture, sort of small moments, things that I'm having thoughts about. In um, the state of one o'clock, it's that you know, the 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 valley goes up uh, north to the mountains. Um, it doesn't matter where you are in Terrapin. You know the the mountains are always in the north. Uh, there's this great circle of mountains, and the mountains fall down to the sea. And you know the very middle of Terrapin is is the south, so that would be the South Pole, and the North Pole is spread out. It's the circumference. Um, but say there are dwarves in the mountains, and then as we go down, uh, there are there are a few other races, and then and then we hit the um, the city uh, by the by the sea, and. You know, this this for me is Vancouver. It's you know, a city in a valley by the sea. But I I I'm rethinking and say looking at these people who dwell in the in these states at these various sort of parts of them, and um, one of my interests is is to broach is to broach race and to have uh, dark-skinned dwarves and elves and, and what I call haves and say looking, looking different, connecting and referencing. And so that's something that I'm thinking about um, at this stage um, because it's been established but I'm looking also for, say, differences. And do I do something that is like Vancouver in the sense that, say, we have, you know, you know this, you know, we have the hope of multiculturalism, uh, even though, you know, we're in the midst of cultural genocide. Uh, you know, it's sort of like, you know, sort of propping up and, you know, we're not bad people. Um <clears throat> Yeah, uh, how how do I go about revealing that, and um, why? Because it is a reflection of Vancouver, and it's something that's important to me, 
and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I'm saying it, and I'm happy that I'm sort of thinking about it. One of my concerns is shoehorning, to use the term used by Johanna Steger, uh, that um, not forcing it, right? And I, I think the way is to sort of, you know, gently move in that direction to sort of establish it, and, and but not, you know, again, not with the hammer, the mallet, the mattock, the pick, right? Sort of, you know, hey, wake up, right? Um, and two, such a weird thing, I don't know if you've traveled, but say, um, going overseas, going to a country uh, where where that's not really an interest or a concern. Um, yeah, that, that, you know, that for me, that's a reflection and, and sort of, you know, to be, to be answering that because I can imagine, you know, say for the people living in the city, you know, that's not, they're not really concerned about that. You know, um, they even have this sort of, I don't know if it's a stopgap measure, but, you know, for immigrants, foreigners, um, people who are of even of different culture, uh, ideology, religion, the longer they stay in that city, the more and more they're going to change, and the, they're going to become werewolves. All right. Well, there we go. Thanks for visiting, and um, sorry I'm not able to uh, take you on a take you on a flight back, but I'm sure you can find your way back. The train station is, you know, is right there, and you have another of, number of options, and, and you could also continue exploring and go out onto the Lake Sea, which is always nice this time of year. Take care. Thanks for listening.